Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Oracle Speaks. I am the Village Elliot. I will attempt to explain the rift in the reality of the universe that has occurred on Sunday. That reality is the Cleveland Browns, 33, the Baltimore Ravens, 31. That may sound impossible to believe, but it's true. Cleveland Browns scored 33 points against Baltimore. The Baltimore Ravens scored two fewer points than the Browns did. That means the Browns were victorious. And the big, bad Baltimore Ravens, the Ravens, those crybaby Ravens, that protest every call made by the officials that whine all the time and that play every play, you know, want to say dirty, but yeah, they're, they're kind of a dirty team, especially on defense, in my opinion. They scored only 31 points and they are losers this week. How can that be? The balance of the universe is totally upset. We thought that this would be a defensive struggle, and to some degree it was, but in other ways, the offenses came through this game. It was not what we expected. Those who thought that Sean Watson was going to falter were wrong. He actually got better as the game went on. His second half was outstanding. <clears throat> I had the pleasure of witnessing this game at the inaugural meeting of the Xenia Brownbackers at the BW3 restaurant next to Walmart in Xenia. Uh, BW3 just started operating uh, a week or so ago. And so Xenia Brownbackers had the first opportunity to hold their meeting at BW3 for this game against Baltimore, and it was totally memorable. When uh, Dustin Hopkins' kick went through the uprights at the end of the game, it was total pandemonium. It was like winning a playoff game. Uh, grown men and women were laughing, crying, jumping up and down, giving high fives, uh, fist bumps. And uh, it was 
it was just an indescribable atmosphere. I really don't know uh, how to describe it other than if, if you'll recall the last time that the Browns won a playoff game. And I don't know the last time we won a playoff game in like the last minute. Um, but it was it was just extremely emotional. It was incredible. And um, I will never forget it. It was one of the best Cleveland Browns victories of all time. Uh, I'm going to pause for a few minutes to allow uh, Johnny and the boys to create some revenue for us by doing some commercials. So let me give uh, five seconds for a commercial break. And we're back. The earth is still wobbling on its axis. The universe is not quite back to its normal place. But okay, let's talk about what's the most memorable play of that game. And I think I'm going to pick one that stands out to me. And that is Jerome Ford's 12-yard run in the fourth quarter. And if you'll recall, uh, the Browns were driving uh, for the game-winning drive. And Jerome Ford made like a two- or three-yard run. And then the Baltimore looked like they were going to stop him, except the pile kept moving. And he kept churning forward. None of this stuff where in the past he's been kind of jittery and wanting to go left, wanting to go right, wanting to go left, wanting to go right. Nope. He was moving forward inch by inch. And then the whole offensive line, which includes two backups, because remember that two of our guys were injured for this game. And the, the uh, whole offensive line starts to move forward. And uh, they start lurching forward, and Baltimore seemed like they were, po- they were unable to stop the Browns. They were powerless, and the Browns s- started to stretch that run from two to three yards. Then it was four. Then it was five, six, seven. Then it was eight yards, nine yards, and the whole team is moving forward. The tight ends are joining in, and the running backs, and there's this whole mass of the Cleveland Browns moving forward. It was 8, 9, 10, 11, and finally it was 12 yards before the whole pile fell forward. And it was just fantastic. I had visions of Jim Brown uh, and then uh, Dick Shafrath, Gene Hickerson, Fred Hoagland, and uh, Leroy Kelly, all those guys. It was just like that. It was just like being back in the 1960s. It was incredible. Uh, that symbolized the Cleveland Browns for me, and I wonder if that was if it was like that for any of you out there. Please uh, send a line on Twitter or whatever platform you're watching uh, and or listening to. I'd like to hear from you. I think it would be just absolutely fantastic. Uh, we really just uh, in at Zenia Browns backers. Uh, we just couldn't believe that play. We went absolutely nuts. It was like scoring a touchdown to see that play. And after the game, we talked about it, and we just really thought that that was the most memorable single play, uh, perhaps even more so than scoring any touchdown, 
was that 12-yard run by Jerome Ford. Now, Jerome Ford, by the way, has been uh, much maligned by some people. Um, I, I have criticized him to some extent, but mainly my criticism has been with Brown's management for not populating the running back room properly, in my opinion, uh, during the offseason, where you will recall that we really only had Nick Chubb in the running back room, and then Ford was the second person in the room. And at the time, he had only 12 yards, total yards from scrimmage in his NFL career. And I didn't think that was enough for a running back room. Um, not to say that he was ever regarded as having zero potential, um, but remember that we had lost Dearness Johnson. Kareem Hunt was not with the team at that point. He, too, was a free agent and stayed a free agent until uh, after Nick Chubb had uh, suffered a serious knee injury, and then we re-signed him to the team. But at the at the for the entire um, summer training camp, there was no Dearness Johnson, no Kareem Hunt. There was only Jerome Ford uh, and Nick Chubb as the you know running back room. That was it. Uh, there were wide receivers that were capable of running the jet sweep, but that's not really a running back room. You need to have ideally four running backs in a running back room. Maybe you can get by with three, but that's still kind of crazy, I felt. Uh, you you need to have somebody that can catch pass, passes out of the backfield, and ideally you'd like to have somebody that can make uh, – straight ahead, short yardage runs, um, and somebody that can back up in case uh, Nick Chubb goes down. And the Browns had nobody that they were really confident in to be able to do that. Now, it, it so happens that they were able to get production out of Jerome Ford, and people criticize him, well, he's not as good as Nick Chubb, and that's true. And uh, I also have pointed out that there's too much east and west in uh, Jerome Ford and that that's kind of a college kid thing that you can in college change direction if you're if you're sweeping right you can sometimes change your mind and sweep left and gain yardage that way and it's a, va a valid play but in the NFL you can't do stuff like that because the NFL players are just far too quick and don't fall for stuff like that. And you're going to get killed if you try to do stuff like that and hesitate and try to weave Bob and change direction. They're just going to laugh at you and tackle you. So I didn't really approve of that technique. Uh, on the other hand, versus Baltimore, we didn't see very much East-West movement, did we? He was, I, I think, that uh, Stump Mitchell and the Cleveland Browns coaching staff have tried to coach that out of them, saying, look, you're in the NFL. you got to run our way. Uh, we want you to run straight ahead, not juke left, juke right, and consider other alternatives. You've got to hit the hole at full speed. And I think that message is starting to take hold, or at least it did against Baltimore. Um, so 
I, I think it's really a good thing for Jerome Ford. Uh, he is on trajectory to make close to a thousand yards on the ground and over a thousand yards total yards from scrimmage. He's been doing very well at catching passes out of the backfield, which is something that the Browns definitely need. So I don't really think that that uh, he's deserving of uh, great criticism uh, by any means. I do feel that the Browns management was short-sighted by not signing additional uh, players when they had the opportunity in the offseason. I think that the running back position is very important. And even if you have someone like Nick Chubb that can play uh, the running back position at a very high level, you need to have more than one guy. I think that's just so obvious. Um, and, uh, well, okay, so they're working on it. Now they've got Ford. Now they have Kareem Hunt back. That's two. And they also have a guy named Pierre Strong, who, frankly, I'd like to see get more snaps. I think that distributing the load at running back is just common sense, that uh, the less banged up you're, you are, the better you're going to run. So, yeah, I'd like to see more of uh, Pierre Strong. Um, and then, um, you know, we may also uh, try to find another running back that we could pick up that might have some potential. Uh, short yardage back may be something that we could find uh, on the waiver wire. Uh, Kenyon Drake is a guy that we picked up on the practice squad. Maybe he's got something left in the tank. I don't know. But uh, four running backs is not a bad idea especially if Nick Chubb is no longer on the team. So what did we learn about Baltimore? Well, we've been, or I'll say Joel Cade and I have both been kind of skeptical about Baltimore. We thought that the front office was trying to populate the roster with players that are uh, consistent with a pocket passing team, whereas the coaching staff, and Lamar Jackson are more happy with two tight ends and a run-first approach, Lamar Jackson being, in my opinion, the greatest two-way threat at quarterback in NFL history. I don't want to mince words with that. I think he's that good. And uh, I don't really understand why you feel like at age, how old is he, 26 or 28, something like that, why you feel that you have to convert him now, right now, this year, to be a pocket passer. I think that's crazy. Uh, you know, the risk of injury is often cited as a reason why he can't possibly run the ball. Well, if he were a halfback, there's plenty of halfbacks that play an entire season without getting injured. So I don't see why uh, with his uh, obvious uh, strength and conditioning, why he wouldn't be able to survive a workload like that. And I think there is a enhanced risk of injury when you're being involved in so, such a high percentage of plays and taking uh, more hits than the average quarterback. But if there's anybody that can take that kind of punishment, it would be an athlete like Lamar Jackson. So anyway, uh, I do think Baltimore is very capable of winning ugly. I think, however, that they gave up a lot of players in their secondary that may wind up 
hurting them that may expose them a little bit in the second half of the season. I feel the same way about Cincinnati, that they had a really excellent defense last year, but they gave up uh, two very expensive safeties and um, also a third cornerback. So they lost both Baltimore and Cincinnati. They lost three starting defensive backs. And I don't think you can just neglect that. I think the teams that have really strong defenses are Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And I think that defenses tend to win championships more so than offenses. So I think there's a chance that those uh, Pittsburgh may be underrated and that uh, they are underestimated as usual. And we may see them get stronger as the season progresses. And the same may be true by Cleveland. So that's kind of what I think might be happening in the uh, second half of the season. It'd be very interesting to see how the Cleveland versus Pittsburgh game turns out. Um, a lot of the bad things that have happened to the Browns are things that have gone wrong on offense and have led to opposition points. The defense, in my opinion, has been great. It has been a top five defense, maybe a top three def defense, might even be the best defense in the NFL. But, um, you know, throwing pick sixes and turning the ball over at crucial times has allowed the Browns' opponents to score a respectable number of points. So it's not as good as it could be if the Browns would just hang on to the football and punt it away instead of throw it away or fumble it away. I think the Browns could be a much better team. So I'm looking for... Uh, against Pittsburgh, um, better success. I think the Browns' offense is significantly better than Pittsburgh's, even though the Browns' offense has been very weak. Uh, Pittsburgh's has been even weaker, and the Browns should have a significant advantage in this game. And we'll see how that plays out. Uh, I don't know if I can take another game like we had against Baltimore. Uh, I had an emotional breakdown about three times during that game for different reasons. Uh, it was just really a fantastic experience. Um, big shout out to the staff at BW3. They were able to pull it off without a hitch, uh, despite the fact that they've only got uh, one week of uh, experience working as a team. It's only been open for just about a week or two. Uh, so congratulations to the staff there and management. You deserve all the credit in the world. We had a wonderful time. It was, you know, we filled the place to capacity in Xenia. I hope to do so again next time. It was just a wonderful experience. And uh, emotion emotionally, I'm spent. I think <laughs> it was just an incredible, incredible game. And um, we'll see as the season progresses, but I think we've exposed some weaknesses in Baltimore that they may not be as uh, super fantastic as they looked in the first half. I remember in the first half, they kept on getting uh, favorable matchups against rookie quarterbacks and the like. They may not be quite as good as they look like on paper, whereas Pittsburgh I think may really have one of the strongest defenses in the NFL. They may be uh, pretty comparable to Cleveland. And um, 
I talk about winning ugly, in other words, winning with defense rather than scoring a whole bunch of points and winning an offensive shootout, although that's kind of what we did today. Um, I think Baltimore, or excuse me, Pittsburgh, can really win a defensive struggle. Uh, they have the discipline to not just throw the ball away and uh, ask the quarterback to do too much, which is what it appeared to me that the coaching staff may have done to Lamar Jackson, but we'll see. I'm not going to tell them how to run their team. So that's what I got for today. We'll talk more about Pittsburgh uh, later in the week and uh, other subjects of interest to Cleveland Browns fans everywhere. So have a great week, everyone. I'll talk to you again uh, tomorrow. Take care. God bless.